Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Welcome back. Don't you wish there was a silver bullet where you could help someone who is unmotivated to magically become motivated? <laughs> well, there are no silver bullets, as you know, but today we have Dr. Rhoda here with us again, and she has some great insights to consider. How can you um, work with an individual who is displaying some of those characteristics and kind of what the process looks like and what ultimately can come out of it? So, Dr. Rhoda. I recently had someone ask me for advice on exactly this. How, do they, how could they motivate someone in their life who did not seem to be motivated? The research on this topic tells us that there are two ways to motivate others, basically a carrot or a stick, right? You encourage them with something or you penalize them with something. Napoleon is quoted as having said, there are two levers for moving men, fear and love, which are basically a carrot and a stick, right? So think about things in your life that you are or are not motivated to do. Why do you do them? Why do you do the dishes when you don't feel like it? Why do you go to work on rainy days when you would rather lay on the couch and read a book and drink coffee? Why do you go back to school to earn an advanced degree? Why do you go visit your grandparents who live some ways away? Usually, if we take time to reflect and analyze, at the root of most of our decisions, we will find fear of something or a love for something. That's really the underlying thing. So in motivation theory, we acknowledge intrinsic and extrinsic types of motivation. Both are valuable. With extrinsic motivation, the reward or the carrot or the stick comes from outside of us. It is what keeps most of us from speeding too much, right? We don't want the ticket and the points on our license, so we behave. That is something outside of us motivating us to act in a certain way. For some people, why they get off the couch and go to work when they would rather stay home and read on a rainy day is the desire to have a paycheck or the fear of not having a paycheck. That is extrinsic motivation. But there are some people who get off the couch because they enjoy their work. They have a sense of meaning and purpose in the work they do, and they want to go make their contribution. That is intrinsic motivation. Again, either intrinsic or extrinsic will work depending upon the situation. So due to the complexities of each situation, do people in your experiences generally move continually from one to the other or... How yeah, does think, that, what does that look like? I think we usually move back and forth between them. I This isn't a proven theory in any way, but I have just noticed that oftentimes people start off with extrinsic motivation and grow to intrinsic. You know, so maybe you start off um, reading because of the little book at club. And if you read a book, you're going to get your little pizza or whatever it is. But then eventually, doing that enough, you learn the love of reading and you're doing it intrinsically. You would do it whether you got a reward or not. Exercise is supposed to be that way, right? <laughs> you, you start doing it because of some extrinsic thing that you want. and so But then after a time, you realize that you feel good, you feel better, you have more energy, you're sleeping better. So then you intrinsically, you want to do it because of that, right? So I think oftentimes we move from extrinsic to intrinsic. So it's more a continuum. Um, yeah. But once we get to intrinsic, that, that seems to, to, to be established for a while at least. Yeah. Yep, exactly. When someone is not doing something that they say is important to them, my favorite question to get the root of this, and we did a whole podcast on this, is asking them, are you not doing this because you're unable or because you're unwilling? And the answer to this tells me if it's a question of ability or if it's a question of motivation. And then based on that, I can carry on. It's like that fork in the road, which way are we going to go? For example, when a college student that I'm working with 
is not applying for their major. They have to apply for their major before they can graduate, right? Or they're not getting an internship. And these are both things that they really need to do to graduate and go out and get a good job. If I ask this question, it helps me clarify the issue. Are you unable or are you unwilling? If they're unable, then I know I need to help them understand what their resources are and help them develop their skills. If they're unwilling, then we need to determine why. This would be a case of not being motivated to do something, right? So instead of thinking how I can motivate the unmotivated, I prefer to think of it as how can we inspire or influence them? How can we help them see that in order to get what they say they want, they need to do something different? I think that's really uh, important advice because so many times we want things to change instantly. And um, oftentimes, even uh, in my own life working with uh, my kids, there is something that maybe I want for them more than they even want. And and it's a balancing act again. Yeah. And even just think within yourself, there are things that I say that I want, but yet I'm not quite willing to do what it takes to get there, right? Consider if it's saving money or something within your health or something within a relationship or something, you know, it's challenging, right? We have obstacles that come up. And so when people's words and actions are incongruent, when they say they want one thing, but they're doing another, usually they're not fully utilizing their prefrontal cortex. That's the place where insights, decision, reason, consequences, that stuff happens. So we need to help them process this information and think through the consequences of their actions. When we're trying to motivate ourselves, we have to do this for ourselves, right? We can ask things like, is what you are currently doing serving you well? If you continue on this path, will you get to where you want to go? If not, what do you want? Where do you want to end up? What do you need to do to get there? And if you're a listener processing this, you're saying, hey, Dr. Rhoda, those were all questions. No, you didn't state your opinion at all. You were just probing and giving them an opportunity to reflect. Absolutely. It's their life. It's their decision. They're driving the car. I'm just supporting them as they do it. And that's one of my questions. When, As they were working through this prog- process, one of my final questions is, how can I support you in your efforts? You know, maybe they'll say, I need an encouragement. Can you connect with me once a week and remind me or whatever that might be? So now we have built a team. We're working together, but they're the one in the driver's seat. It's their life. They are taking in information and making decisions for their life. And I'm here to let them know that they're not alone. You know, none of us like to be alone, especially in times of uncertainty or when things are unknown. We all want connection and companionship, but I can't decide for you. And I can't want it more for you than you want it for yourself. Again, it's your life. You get to make your decisions and live with the consequences. I'm just going to help you understand what that is when it seems like you're not aware of this. Sometimes when people we care about seem unmotivated, it could be something else. What if they don't feel like they belong in the culture? What if they don't feel seen or heard? Maybe they're scared or underprepared. When someone seems unmotivated, let's not just go right off the bat and first off label them as unmotivated. It could be other things. What are the other things that could be causing this behavior? How do we learn that? We need to have a conversation with them. We need to listen to them. We need to get them talking and we're listening. So get to know them. What inspires them? Now, here's another side of this. If you're a boss or a manager or a teacher or a parent and you have people that you're responsible for that seem unmotivated, I think we need to bear some of the responsibility if we're responsible for the culture. How do I make this person feel like they fit? What am I doing? How do I contribute? How do I support you? How do I make sure that you feel seen and heard? How do I make sure that you feel equipped? How do I help you have a sense of cause and vision? How do I help you understand what your gifts are and how you can use those gifts to contribute to the group? And how do I help you understand why that's important? 
And I think that's really key. It's a two-way street mm -hmm. between leaders and followers and really, really perceptive to say, hey, there's more, often more to the story, more layers under that onion to get at instead of just going, well, they're unmotivated or they're motivated. Yeah. I think it's a lot of circumstances oftentimes. Yeah, you can point the finger and just say they're unmotivated and that's the problem. But that doesn't help you get a solution. That doesn't help you resolve it. People are messy. Relationships are messy. We've got to get down in the mud, sit with them, talk with them, discuss, and then help them figure out what they want and how they want to get there. And according to Maslow's theory of need, when we feel safe and secure and know that we belong and that we're able to not only take care of ourselves, but also, and this is big, to contribute to others in a meaningful way, that is when we really feel motivated. Fortunately, as teachers and as parents, we get the privilege of supporting other people as they work through this journey. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five key takeaways on how do you motivate the unmotivated. Uh, number one, first of all, uh, awareness of the carrot and the stick mentality, the fear or love for doing something. Number two, uh, previous podcast, but also important, ask, are you unable or are you unwilling? And based on that, uh, you can determine which pathway to go on. Uh, number three, uh, remember in this world, uh, when you're working with individuals, uh, your task is to inspire or influence them. Number four, uh, look at this supportive role as a team member. Oftentimes, as Dr. Rhoda said, ask meaningful questions. And number five, it all comes down to relationships. Authentic, genuine relationships will help you support them as they navigate through. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.